Welcome into 444.com to the Most Accurate Podcast. My name is Anthony Stalzer, joined as always by John Paulson. John, how are we doing today? Uh, not terrible. The Packers got a win over the Dolphins, and uh, the Falcons beat the Bra- – oh, wait a second. They, <laughs> they lost to the Browns. What happened, Anthony? You know, uh, John, there's always a point in the season where – uh, a, a bad season starts to tilt back the right way, and, and you have a little bit of shred of hope. And yesterday, I had a little bit of shred of hope going into that Browns game. And when Baker Mayfield was 12 of 12 at halftime, I said, yep, nope, um, I'm out. I'm done. This season is it's just a lost season. I got my hopes up just a little bit. And uh, then certainly when Nick Chubb burst 92 yards for a touchdown in the third quarter. I I was definitely checked out. So Falcon season is lost. It's official. I hate to say it. It is what it is. The injuries did their toll in the in the first first half of the season. What's it? it what's the record now? Four and five. They could have got to five and four yesterday. Yeah, the Packers are four four and one. I don't know. I don't. They're not much better. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I mean, if you beat the Browns and then you beat the Cowboys next week, now you're six and four, and you can kind of talk about that maybe getting the wild card hunt, but. The the freaking Browns fired their head coach two weeks ago, and you, and you can't beat them. So I'm done. <laughs> uh, tell us about the music. Uh, yeah, that, I checked to see if I had uh, featured this song on the podcast yet. And anybody who saw uh, the movie Rushmore, uh, Wes Anderson movie Rushmore, will recognize the track. It's the opening track where they're going through uh, all the uh, of Max Fisher's uh, different clubs that he's in. It's called uh, Making Time. It's by the Creation. Uh, it's was released back in 1966. I was negative seven years old at that point. <laughs> uh, great, like garage rock tune uh, from that from that soundtrack, and uh, I'll add it to the most accurate podcast playlist once I get Spotify working again. Excellent. Hey, you know DraftKings, uh, the contest did so well last week. We told you about it that they upped the stakes. We have teamed up with DraftKings, as we noted, we, to, to bring four for four listeners a three thousand dollar winner take all fantasy football contest. It's exclusive for 4 for 4 fans. I do a radio show in St. Louis, and um, I do a show on Sundays, too, kind of a, a pregame show for the NFL. And the co- my co-host, my friend Brandon, uh, noted that he jumped in that DraftKings 4 for 4 contest last week, and I'm sure he'll be ready to uh, do it again this week. Uh, again, it's a $3,000 winner-take-all fantasy football contest exclusive for 4 4 fans. Here's how it works. Draft your favorite players that you think will do well on Sunday while staying under the cap, of course, and watch your team move up and down the leaderboard. You can finish in the top spot, and if you do, you get $3,000 to play. Just go to the 4 for 4 Twitter page. That's at 4 for 4 football. Click on the link in the pinned tweet. Make sure to get your lineup in by 1 o'clock Eastern on November 18th before it all locks. We are thrilled to partner with DraftKings, and good luck if you decide to play that contest this week. Let's do some Week 10 injuries. The news is unfortunate for Cooper Cup. The Rams feared that he tore his ACL, and the MRI today confirmed it. So the slot receiver is down for the year for the Rams. We already know about Woods and Cooks. They're already must-starts, John. Any thoughts on Josh Reynolds or the tight ends maybe getting more involved involved now that Cooper Cup is down? I went back and looked at Week 7 and Week 8, which were the two weeks that Cup missed, and uh, it really was nothing that jumped, jumped out in terms of targets. You know, people or players have an increase in targets, other than Josh Reynolds, who really didn't see a huge increase in targets. He he only was targeted once in Week Seven uh, against the 49ers. He won catch for 19 yards. I think I talked about it prior to Week Eight, where uh, 
you know, there's a lot of times it happens where it seems to happen anyways, is anecdotal. Uh, but a player that's supposed to step into a bigger role doesn't uh, necessarily do great that first week that he's in that role, but it's the second or third week where he actually blows up. And of course, uh, Josh Reynolds had uh, two touchdowns against my Packers while I was in the stadium. So proving <laughs> my, my anecdotal point, uh, three catches for 42 yards and two touchdowns against the Packers in week eight on five targets. He played 80, 4% of the snaps in week seven, 88% of the snaps in week uh, eight. And he had been playing, you know, anywhere from three to 60, 50, 60% of the snaps. But I think that was partially because Cup uh, missed some time uh, in the previous week. So uh, I, Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, neither one of them saw a jump in targets. I think they get a bit more value because I think uh, Jared Goff's more likely to throw their way uh a little bit, but I don't think they're going to see big, big target jumps. I think the player you want or the player that's going to see the biggest increase is Reynolds. And he's the one that's probably available on the waiver wire. He might've gotten cut uh, after the cup came back. So uh, I think he's the player you want uh, to add. And uh, he could be a wide receiver four with some wide receiver three upside uh, as, as we move forward. Martavis Bryant may have torn his PCL, PCL on Sunday in that loss to the Chargers. That report came from NFL Network's Ian Rappaport. We don't know the full scope of the injury yet. He still has yet to go undergo an MRI. He's going to miss some time, though. We know that. Anybody in this Oakland pass-catching um, core do anything for you? Any, uh, Jared Cook, the tight end, Brandon LaFell in Bryant's absence? I have to be really desperate to start LaFell or Seth Roberts. Uh, you know, they're just not, this offense is just not good enough. They're not getting enough yards or touchdowns, uh, you know, to, to really have a, a, a solid a fantasy starter. I mean, look at, I mean, the best receiver probably in this, in this receiving core is Jordy Nelson. And he had one target shut out, you know, in 69% of the snaps against the Chargers last week. He had three targets the previous week, four the previous week, you know, one catch for 14 yards, two for six, 16. He's got one game where he's got more than 50 yards receiving, and that was when he had six catches for 173 yards and a touchdown, which is almost half his yardage uh, this season. So there's just no dependable scorers here. Uh, Jared Cook is probably the closest thing to it, um, but uh, I just don't like this offense at all right now. Randall Cobb, meanwhile, also got injured, uh, strained the hamstring. He's week to week. Marquez Valdez, Scanling remain in the wide receiver three mix for you? Yeah, I, I think rest of the season we're looking at him as a wide receiver three. I actually had him ranked uh, as a wide receiver two this week. Uh, he did get the targets necessary for that, seven targets. Uh, caught six of them uh, for 44 yards. They weren't sending him down the field as much. And I don't know if he was running more of the Randall Cobb routes. Uh, in the previous weeks, he had been definitely making you know, running some post routes and deep routes to uh, uh, to really stretch the defense, but he didn't do it uh, this week against uh, the Dolphins that I saw. At least he didn't get targeted, I don't think, on them. Uh, Equinemia St. Brown is also a uh, a possibility. He played 58% of the snaps against Miami. He only caught two passes for three yards on three targets, but if Cobb is out, he's the one most likely to see um, – a significant uh, jump in, in, in uh, snaps and targets there. And then ESPN's Adam Schefter reporting that Marvin Jones is day-to-day with a bone bruise. MRI revealed that Jones' ACL and MCL uh, are undamaged. The Lions are going to face a quick 
turnaround for Week 12, and that's their annual Thanksgiving uh, Thanksgiving Day game. And then they've got the Panthers in Week 11. So they got Panthers, and then they got the Thanksgiving. What do you think about the Jones injury, and then everything that precedes precedes that from a fantasy standpoint? I don't know what they're going to do with him in terms of Carolina. It'd be interesting to see if he can get healthy enough to play. They're getting pretty thin at receiver now since they uh, traded away Golden Tate and they signed Bruce Ellington, but I don't think he played yesterday. And they've got TJ Jones, Brandon Powell, you know, in the in the receiving core there, and nothing special. So uh, I think Kenny Galladay gets to be where he's might be seeing. I don't know, ten to twelve. Uh, maybe 14 targets if if Jones is out. He had six catches for 78 yards and a touchdown on 13 targets against the against the Bears yesterday with um, Jones playing about two-thirds of the game, and Jones was on his way to a pretty nice, maybe a four-for-80 type game. He played two-thirds of his usual snaps and ended up with three-for-55 on seven targets. So we'll see, you know, looking at the practice schedule and, did you know, is he participating – uh, ahead of uh, week 11 and uh, if he's out they may be saving him to, to play um, against the Bears uh, I'm sorry against yeah against the Bears again in uh, week 12 uh, at home against uh, on Thanksgiving I just want to pass along this note to ESPN's Adam Schefter reports the outlook for Julian Edelman is positive he isn't expected to miss much time if any with the foot injury looks like he's going to be okay so just wanted to pass that along as well since we're talking about week 10 injuries some fantasy quick hitters I'm going to throw at you, John. Amari Cooper caught 6 of 10 targets for 75 yards in the Cowboys' win over the Eagles last night. How do you feel about his rest-of-season value now that we've seen a couple of games with him in a Cowboy uniform? Uh, not bad. I mean, the 5 for 58 and a touchdown on 8 targets, 6 for 75 on 10 targets, uh, playing quite a bit. And then you look at his schedule, and it's pretty much all green. The rest of the, It is all green the rest of the regular fantasy season. Uh, Atlanta's 30th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to receivers. Washington is 23rd. New Orleans is 32nd, Philly's 25th, Indianapolis is 24th, the Bucks 31st. So uh, the, this is about as good as I've seen. Uh, you know, it ends up with eight straight games of uh, pretty easy matchups for him. So uh, there might be some bad uh, individual cornerback matchups here, but you know, as a whole, these defenses are not very good at stopping receivers. So I would feel pretty good about him as maybe a. Uh, wide receiver two slash wide receiver three on that cusp in that uh, mid-20s range uh, uh, moving forward. Uh, they're not a big passing team, but Dak Prescott's pretty capable, and uh, defenses are typically more worried about Ezekiel Elliott in the running game. Now, what did Atlanta do defensively yesterday to ind- give you any indication that they could be torched in the passing game? <laughs> was it the 12 for 12 for Baker Mayfield at halftime? Was it? Yep. Was yeah, bad? something like that. I mean, okay. the Falcons have been bad all year against the Pats, so it's not, I'm not going out on a limb on that one. No. Uh, I, I know you've been dying to talk about Aaron Jones and, and Aaron Jones in this light. He finished with 15 carries for 145 yards and two touchdowns yesterday. He also caught three passes for 27 yards, and the Packers went over the Dolphins. I feel like everybody's been asked. I get text messages from people. Why don't the Packers – why don't the Packers run Aaron Jones more and, and stop with the Jamal Williams stuff? Ask Paulson. I'm like, Paulson feels the same way you do. My question for you, <laughs> is, he a, is he an RB1 the rest of the season? He's really good. I he's, mean, he, he's I really mean, good. This was a, I mean, this was an easy matchup. The, the Dolphins are 31st in just a fantasy points allowed to running backs. But, I mean, even before I – mean, he's averaging 6.8 yards per carry now on um, 73 carries. Uh, so it's not a huge – Huge uh, sample size. I'm sure his eight yards per carry will go down a little bit, but 
this week he went up. He's 9.7 against the the Dolphins, and I, I actually had him in the sneaky starts column, and I know he wasn't very sneaky at this point given what, what he did against the Rams and the Patriots uh, and really how talented he is and how the fantasy community is clamoring for him to play. But I wanted to mention him there because I felt like this was going to be his coming out party. And, uh, you know, once he busted that one up the middle, it became pretty obvious that it was going to be. And they were, uh, when he made that one long run um, or one run inside the five, I don't know if it was a long one or not, but they kept feeding him the ball, trying to get him the touchdown. So it looks like they're going to run the ball a little bit more now. They're realizing, Mike McCarthy's realizing that. They have a special talent, and uh, I noticed that he was not only just getting more carries, but he was playing more. He played 74% of the snaps, which is a, a season high for him. Uh, and Jamal Williams just wasn't in – didn't seem like he was in as much uh, the game as he had been. He played 25% of the snaps, which was actually, tie, actually tied for the league low or his season low uh, in terms of snaps. And he only had three uh, carries for three yards and didn't, didn't really do anything. So he's more now going to be like the designated pass blocker and – once in a while, they'll throw him a screen. I think it's you're looking at Aaron Jones as the primary ball carrier, and if he continues to get 14 plus carries, you know, 17, 18 touches, uh, he's is going to be a fantasy uh, RB one going down the stretch. One more I wanted to ask you about a tight end who had a big day yesterday. That was Eric Ebron. He caught all three of his targets for 69 yards and two touchdowns for the Colts yesterday. So my question is, Jack Doyle's in the mix. I know some people are still kind of relying on him. As their starting tight end, he only caught three three passes, but again, the sixty nine yards and two touchdowns are are, uh, are eye popping here. Is is Ebron a tight tight end one that you can rely on? Uh, I don't know if you can rely on him, but I don't think there are too many tight ends that you can actually fan, uh, fantasy wise rely on week to week to to get uh, seven to ten targets and and have that steady production. But I had Ebron ranked a little bit higher than. Uh, some of my peers this week and the reason I did so is because he just has remained involved even though Jack Doyle is back uh, even when Jack Doyle was playing early in the year he was still catching touchdowns and he's doing it on pretty low target numbers I mean against Jacksonville he had three targets uh, last week against Oakland or two weeks ago against Oakland he had three targets but he's you know it's three touchdowns in the two games and then you're adding he actually had a rushing touchdown yesterday um for, so he had actually scored three touchdowns. He had 25 standard fantasy points. So I think you just keep running him out there, and you're going to end up with a couple of bad games here and there. But he's also one that is, it can score multiple touchdowns in a game or even just score one touchdown in a game, and he gets you some points there at the tight end position. RBBC discussion following Week 10, and I've cut out some of these teams too, John. So I cut out the Dolphins. I think everybody knows what to expect there. Even the Browns. I mean, Duke Johnson, you know, from a PPR standpoint, he should be pretty good. Nick Chubb, great day yesterday. I, we don't need to spend much time talking about those teams. And if you feel as though that the situation hasn't changed, John, we can keep moving along. But let's start off with the Bears. Jordan Howard, 11 carries, 21 yards. He also caught one pass on one target for 11 yards. Tariq Cohen, 15 yards, touchdown, seven carries. He also went six for seven for 29 yards in the passing game. That's six catches seven, on seven targets. I feel like this is just a game script situation, and you don't really know what to expect if you have one one of these guys as as an RB. Well, this was a you know game script wise. This was a game where we thought 
I think generally speaking, we thought that Jordan Howard was going to have a good 15 to 20 carries and have a lot of success against the the Lions, who have pretty much stunk against the the run. And he, he had a very disappointing day, 11 carries for 21 yards. I mean, that was that was really bad based on what their expectations were. And it wasn't even like he got game scripted out or game flowed out of the game. He uh, the, the, the Bears were leading almost the entire game. So um, this one just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It just shows that he's not the most dependable player uh, because even in a game where they score, I don't know, 34 points, whatever it was, he doesn't get a touchdown. Uh, he only has 32 total yards, uh, and Cohen ends up outscoring him again. So this is a certainly a disappointing uh, outing for Jordan Howard owners. And both guys are viable too. That's that's the frustrating aspect. If yeah. you have Tariq Cohen, you want to play him because if you if you picked up Tariq Cohen a couple of weeks ago, you were you needed him. You need probably needed him as an RB two. And Jordan Howard, I I know for for me, I drafted him as my RB two for the entire season. So it, it's certainly you're kind of stuck. And we'll get to the Eagles in a second, but like. You look at a situation where you think maybe all right if I grab the Eagles starting running back if you can figure out who the hell that is you could you could alleviate the Bears situation but as it is right now you're still saying okay well Jordan Howard's my best option or Tariq Cohen's my best option so it's uh, it's certainly frustrating to to have one of those two backs let's talk about the Bucks Peyton Barber 13 carries 61 yards he actually had a pretty good day I I was watching a little bit of that game because we were at the bar and. Uh, that game happened to be right right in front of us, and he looked better than the 13 carries and 61-yard stat line would indicate. Only caused, caught one of one targets for five yards. But here's the big one. Jaquiz Rogers, eight catches on eight targets for 102 yards. But my question would be, was that a result of game flow? Well, you know, he hasn't cracked um, seven PPR fantasy points all season and suddenly has eight for 102 in the passing game. I would not expect this sort of production or – moving forward you got the 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 receiving core is stacked over there they're not going to be on a weekly basis be feeding jaquiz rogers eight targets every game so this is kind of a blip on the radar i think and and barber is getting to the point where since he doesn't he's not involved in the passing game hardly at all it's really a touchdown or bust for him and you know maybe he can get you 60 70 yards uh, rushing and you're hoping that he falls in the end zone Let's talk about the Eagles. I just mentioned them. Corey Clement, five carries, 13 yards. Wendell Smallwood, two carries, four yards. And then Josh Adams got seven carries for 47 yards. It's not as if Josh Adams had a great game. And really, the Eagles wanted nothing to do with their own running game last night against the Cowboys. They put the ball in the air a lot. However, we thought maybe Corey Clement would be the fantasy owner, fantasy running back's own in Philadelphia. How do you feel about Josh Adams now that he's kind of emerging as their, their top running back in terms of carries? Yeah, I think he's a uh, he's a player that is available on a lot of waiver wires still, and you could pick him up and stash him and see if they start to give him 10 to 15 uh, carries a game because he's averaging 5.7 yards per rush. Uh, he's only one catch on the season, so he's really more of a uh, a factor in standard leagues as opposed to PPR leagues, but I don't think the Eagles are going to ignore this for much longer. Doug Peterson uh, apparently confirmed that Adams will – uh, be more involved moving forward. So, you know, I think the writing's on the wall here about the, uh, with this backfield. I think Clement's on the way out, and maybe Sw- Smallwood ends up in a change of pace role, and maybe Adams is getting that uh, bulk of the bulk of the carries there. 
couple more here. Lions, on Johnson, 14 carries, 51 yards, and a touchdown. He also caught six passes for 38 yards, an additional score. So he had a nice game against the Bears. Theo Riddick, six catches, 60 yards, and then LeGarrette Blunt, six carries, four yards, nothing nothing really there outside of the fact that he got six carries. Are, are both Johnson and Riddick fantasy viable if you play in a PPR league? Yeah, I think Riddick is taking over that Golden Tate role. He's lining up as a receiver quite a bit, lining up at the slot quite a bit. So he's getting back to where now he's he's one of these guys that will uh, get you ten get you ten twelve PPR fantasy points on a given week because he's going to catch four or five passes and maybe get a couple carries. Uh, Johnson, it's great to see for him that he's also getting six catches in a game where Theo Riddick gets six catches. Uh, so you got twelve catches there going to the two running backs. He can now keep, maintain that value in PPR formats even if the running game is not going great and it didn't go great against the. Uh, the Bears, he only had 5,200 yards rushing, but he got the touchdown, and then he added the touchdown as a receiver. So as long as that's happening and he's getting 20 touches, uh, then he's going to be viable as an RB2 for sure. Raiders, Doug Martin, 15 carries, 61 yards, also caught three passes on three targets for 31 yards. Jalen Rashard rushed three times for seven yards, but he caught five passes on six targets for 52 yards. If you're a desperate owner, any do do either of these guys pop for you? Well, you know, looking at Martin's uh, game log, 13 for 72, uh, had a fumble, uh, caught a couple passes, 17 yards. That was against the, the Colts in Week 8. In Week 9, he had 11 for 49. He had a catch for uh, 20 yards, so there's some production there. 69 total yards against the Chargers, 15 for 61, 3 for 31 in the uh, passing game. So he's he's 6.9, 6.9, uh, 9.2 standard fantasy points. Uh, in those three games, and he's not hasn't found the end zone uh, yet all year, uh, but he might have a chance this week against the, the Cardinals. They're 29th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. I think he'd be a decent uh, RB2, RB3 start, uh, flex start uh, in a short week. I think there's six teams on, on by. You wouldn't want to use him in week 12 against Baltimore, but you maybe you could use him again in week 13 against the Chiefs. I think you're looking at a – he's getting – in the teens now and touches. So I think that's a, uh, somebody who needs to be rostered and, and used as a plug and play uh, on short weeks. And then finally the Seahawks, this is a big one. So Rashad Penny, the rookie finally had his breakout moment, 12 carries, 108 yards and a touchdown. Pete Carroll said after the game that he looked exactly what we envisioned he would look when we selected him in the first round this past year. Mike Davis, though, if you started him, you you still had a a productive day. He had 11 carries, 58 yards, but he also caught four passes for 22 yards and a touchdown. I think that was the final touchdown of uh, of the game for the Seahawks. Also a backdoor cover, by the way, if you had Seattle. I had, I had them in my picks. They, they covered on that play. So uh, thank you, Mike Davis. But both backs were productive with Carson, Carson, uh, Chris Carson out, John. Yeah, with Carson sideline with that hip injury, and we don't know the severity of it. It's, he was sounded like he might still play this week, but didn't practice at all. So we'll see if they, you know, given this production that they got out of these two guys, totally uh, between, uh, well, if you want to throw in C.J. Proceis's, uh one rushing attempt for negative three yards. They had, uh, combined 24 carries for 163 yards, uh, combined four catches for 22 yards, and a touchdown. That was all actually all Mike Davis. But uh, Davis came out and got the first six running back touches. They were all carries. He had 34 yards at that point, so he was not doing anything wrong. Uh, and then Penny came in and he had his first carry was for 38 yards, and then two plays later uh, had an 18-yard touchdown run. So 
then I, what I like to do is, is when this happens, um, look and see how they were distributing the touches after that. And they were basically giving the two, uh, uh it was a 50, 50 split. So I think, uh, Penny got 10, all carries, got 10 carries, 52 yards. Um, even if you remove his, uh, 38 yard run and his 18 yard score, he was still averaging 5.2 yards per carry. So that's good. Uh, they didn't, they didn't bench Davis though. He had, uh, I think six carries and four catches at that point or after Penny's touchdown. Uh, so it was 10 touches each. Uh, so I think if, if Carson's out, you're going to look at another 50, 50 split or near, near that, uh, for the next game. I, I bet you Davis continues to start and then they bring in Penny and then just basically flip flop series. Like, uh, the, the Packers were doing with, uh, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams unwisely. <laughs> I wasn't for some reason I wasn't expecting you to throw that in there, but you're you're probably right. They probably will do yeah. it unwisely. 49ers Giants is the Monday night football matchup tonight. Not a not a great one, and it's. Um, I mean, I guess from a fantasy perspective, I got I know I got I got to have to have Saquon Barkley, and I'm going against Odell Beckham. And if you took a flyer on Nick Mullins or something like that, you'll have um, you know some something to root for tonight. But the the total is only 45, so not necessarily a high-scoring game expected. But here's some injury news for you. No injuries to report from New York in terms of a fan, from fantasy perspective. Pierre Garçon has been ruled out with the knee injury. George Kittle, the tight end, who's got the chest injury, was removed from the injury report. And as I just alluded to, Nick Mullins will make his second NFL start. Anything you're keeping an eye on tonight? Well, I I'm invested a little bit in Matt, Matt Breida, and I think he's – he played last Thursday, right? It was a yes. extra time off. So, um, plus it's a, it's now it's Monday night. So he has had quite a few days now to get that foot ankle injury completely healed. Uh, with Raheem Mostert out, I'm interested to see the split between him and maybe Alfred Morris. Uh, are we going to get to a point where Brita is getting consistent 15 to 20 touches uh, a game? And I think if he does, then you start to start to flirt with high end RB two numbers on a weekly basis. So that's really the, the one thing I'm focused on. I'm interested to see how Mullins does after having the, the greatest uh, NFL debut in the history of the <laughs> league. Uh, again, and now he's going to be against the Giants, so we'll see how that uh, how that shakes out. Yeah, I mean, the Giants, you and I were talking about it before we jumped on the podcast. You asked me if I had a pick for tonight, and I, I didn't do one. And just uh, I've, I've explained this on Twitter. I've explained this in some other articles. If if the Thursday night matchup or the Monday night matchup, if that if that's not a game that I would have on a Sunday card, so a game that I would like to play on Sunday, I don't touch it. You know, don't be forced to play a Monday night game or a Thursday night game just because that's the only NFL game on. However, I mean, I I would think there's at least some value in taking the Giants plus three because Nick Mullins is making his second start and. Would anybody be shocked if he looked like an undrafted free agent making his second NFL start? I I wouldn't. Uh, but then again, would you be shocked if the Giants laid down and he threw for four touchdowns again? I mean, I, so I, I just I don't know what to expect from this game tonight. If if anything, while it's not a, a ratings draw, it, it's certainly interesting from some some perspective. Somebody's going to be interested in tonight's game. Is I guess what I'm suggesting here, John. Yeah, I mean, I would. I think I would take the. I don't. I'm not a betting man, but so. Don't even listen to what I'm about to say. But I would take the the 49ers. 49ers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think the, the Giants are not very good, but who knows? Right. I mean, the 49ers are not very good. But Mullins actually looked like he understood the offense and they moved the ball really well. So we'll see. This game's in, in San Francisco, right? So, right. Yep. So Shanahan's good, too. Shanahan's a hell of a coach. Yeah. 
All right, that will do it for this this edition of the 44.com, 444.com's the most accurate podcast. Slow down, Stolzer. Uh, John Paulson, you can follow him on Twitter at 444 underscore John. You can follow me as well at Anthony Stolzer. We'll be back on Friday to go over the latest injury news. We'll take a look at some sneaky starts and uh, just kind of get you ready for week 11 in the NFL. I can't believe it's already week 11, but we'll get you set for the fantasy action this upcoming weekend. Good luck tonight if you got anybody starting. We'll see you next time on 444.com. It's the most accurate podcast. Never take a chance, you take your pick, makes you sick.